0: This is Oncology Republic, I'm Felicity Nelson. Today I'm interviewing Dr. Daniel Cekic, a cardiologist and the head of cardio-oncology at Genesis Care. Many patients who survive cancer go on to face a different battle, and that's with their cardiac health. There's a whole field called cardio-oncology which is dedicated towards addressing these problems at the start of treatment. But they get a little bit of pushback sometimes from oncologists and other doctors who question whether it's really their place to be there. But as the data keeps rolling in, it becomes quite apparent that there is a place for cardiologists, particularly for patients who are undergoing radiation therapy. Dr. Daniel Chekik, welcome.
1: Uh, Thank you. Thank you, Felicity.
0: Can you tell us a little bit about your background, just so our listeners can get a sense of who you are?
1: Sure, Felicity. So I'm a cardiologist uh, trained in Adelaide, Australia, and also in Oxford in the UK, originally as an electrophysiologist. uh, But in in the last five or six years, uh, I've uh, switched my focus to cardio-oncology, and I'm a a certified cardio-oncologist with the International Cardio-Oncology Society I'm the clinical lead for cardio-oncology services for Genesis Care in Australia, um, and I'm the uh, chief medical officer for Genesis Care cardiology in Australia as well.
0: And this field of cardio-oncology, it's a little bit underplayed in Australia, at least, uh, as as far as I'm aware, Um, a lot of doctors... Don't pay a lot of attention to it, and it's kind of a new emerging field. Do you want to give us a little bit paint paint a picture about what this field is and how it's coming into doctors' consciousness?
1: Oh, yep, sure, no problem. So, you know, cardio oncology is is really best described and 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 quoted by a doctor Hayek in a in a journal a couple of years ago as the prevention, early detection, and optimal treatment of cardiovascular disease in patients who are treated for cancer. And it focuses on balancing the cardiovascular and oncological needs of the patients. Um, And that's before, during and after their their cancer therapy. It is an area that um, is certainly uh, underplayed, not just in Australia, but but globally um, as an emerging area. And as cancer treatments become more and more effective and we are getting increasing numbers of long-term survivors of, of cancer, uh, then then the whole uh, sort of health of the cardiovascular system becomes uh, much more important um, uh, because ultimately it's actually, as it stands at the moment, the, the largest competing cause of death in, in patients who have got malignancies.
0: And uh, in particular, radiation therapy for cancer is known to have adverse effects in terms of its impact on the cardiovascular system, but there isn't as much knowledge about this as there probably should be. Can you tell us a little bit about what's going on there? Why is there this connection between uh, radiation therapy and um, these negative effects on cardiovascular health?
1: Yep, sure. So, you know, in the early days, and, and so... I'm talking when I was training a few decades ago. It was felt that um, the cardiovascular risk from uh, radiotherapy to any vascular bed, but particularly to the chest region and, and the heart, uh, would occur, but 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 is is very significantly delayed. Um, uh, you know, we originally thought it was decades before that uh, came into play. But in in the recent past, there have been a number of studies that have shown that, in fact, that cardiovascular risk increases almost immediately and and very early uh, from the exposure of a vascular bed to, to radiotherapy. If we go back in time uh, from when radiotherapy still used to be uh, u- used as a treatment for peptic ulcer disease, before it was understood that that was a different etiology than than, than it was then, uh, to to looking at survivors of of uh, uh, Hiroshima, Nagasaki, to radiation workers in in Soviet um, uh, munitions factories, um, to to therapeutic radiation. These studies over decades are all remarkably consistent and show that there is really what's thought to be a linear, no threshold uh, dose response of of cardiovascular risk to um, exposure to to radiation therapy. So basically there is no safe dose of radiotherapy and and the more that the vascular fields like the coronary arteries get um, uh, irradiated, the the higher the uh, risk of of cardiovascular uh, events going forward, um, so that that's certainly well understood now. And particularly a, a very seminal paper by an author called Darby uh, that was published in the New England a few years ago showed that 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 those effects can happen almost immediately, and and that's been confirmed with multiple other studies as well.
0: And how severe are the effects, and what range of people become affected um, in that way
1: yep so the the increase in risk is directly related to uh, uh, the, the exposure of the vascular bed to the radiation and and um, you know, often uh, radiation oncologists use the term of gray um, and so basically depending on the study but thereabouts, I mean, the Derby paper spoke about a 7.4% increase in risk per grey. Some of the other studies um, went up to about 12% increased risk. So on average, it's probably about a 10% risk. And so it, it depends on what the baseline risk, of course, is. So, um, you know, if, uh, for example, uh, a breast cancer uh, sufferer um, who has radiotherapy to the left side of the the, the chest, um, she may get a, a sort of an average exposure of one to two grey uh, to the heart. Uh, I mean, it, it is variable. Of course, lung cancers get more and, and patients who have esophageal cancer get, you know, very substantial doses. But if we look at, at people who, who have got breast cancer, so a 10 to 20% increase in risk, if your baseline risk is only one or 2%, then that doesn't make an enormous difference. But if your baseline risk is already eight or 9%, then um, then that's more significant and it may well change thresholds for when you treat other cardiovascular risk factors. Um, particularly, there seems to be a multiplicative effect of uh, hypertension and radiation exposure. So patients who have had uh, radiation uh, therapy and who are hypertensive seem to have an inordinately increased risk. Um, and then there's also the opportunity to use the available information uh, that, is, that is uh obtained in planning for radiotherapy um, to to assess cardiovascular risk. Um, And we can talk about that some more if you like, but relates to identifying atherosclerosis in coronary arteries on the planning CTs, uh, which can allow us to intervene with preventative therapies and actually help stop these these adverse effects, uh, it is presumed.
0: That's super interesting. And is it just radiotherapy or do other cancer treatments also have a similar effect?
1: Oh, look, uh, lots of cancer treatments have cardiovascular effects. Um, Most do not have a a direct effect on the coronary arteries. Um, Most of the other cancer therapies, uh, such as chemotherapy, particularly uh, drugs uh, like anthracyclins, so a, a, a very commonly used uh, chemotherapy for decades now, that tends to affect heart muscle, uh, causing um, left ventricular dysfunction. Um, and then you have targeted therapies uh, like trastuzumab, the the her, you know Herceptin is the one of the trade names, and and that also can uh, uh, cause left ventricular dysfunction. And then you have a multitude of other effects, particularly with the tyrosine kinase inhibitors um, and VEGF and, um, you know, they can cause hypertension, they can cause uh, arrhythmias. Um, And then if we're moving into the sort of frontline modern era with the immune checkpoint inhibitors, um, which, of course, the... um, um, it was Allison and, and another fellow who who won the Nobel Prize for their implementation a couple of years ago. They can cause a whole host of effects like a myocarditis um, a vasculitis um, so th- you know depending on what you 're treating a patient with, um, there is an inordinate amount of cardiovascular risk uh, associated uh, with a number of therapies um, which you know, in absolute terms, may be relatively low. I mean, the immune checkpoint inhibitors, for example, it's thought that it's the incidence of a, a cardiac effect is in the order of a half to one percent of patients treated. Um, but uh, you know, as those volumes increase, the, the the volume of patients that will be affected increase as well.
0: And of course, patients with cancer often have other underlying health issues. Um, is there a, a, a sort of addition effect with uh, some of these patients where they've arrived, you know at an appointment with an oncologist already with a lot of various health issues, um, and then the treatment sort of adds on to that?:
1: Yeah, look, absolutely. Um, you know cancer and cardiovascular disease share a number of common risk factors. so often these patients will already have underlying problems. Just as an example, um, I, have, uh, I do a clinic in Adelaide, and actually also uh, some in Sydney, where I um, will have patients referred to the clinic for uh, cardiovascular assessment, uh, and predominantly uh, pa- patients who have breast cancer and have had radiotherapy. We've got some very proactive radiation oncologists who are keen to maintain cardiovascular health. And And in an abstract that I presented at COSA um, last year, uh, we found that um, of a unselected group of patients that were referred um, post radiotherapy, about a third of these patients already had atherosclerosis present in their coronary arteries. So it's pre-radiotherapy. And this was, uh, we were able to detect this by looking at the planning CTs that are done pre-radiotherapy um, to detect the coronary artery calcification and hence the, the atherosclerosis. And, you know, uh, which, which just to this audience, I should remind them, um, is actually the best predictor of a cardiovascular event in any population, let alone the cancer population. Um, and, and so enables us to take action to try and minimize um, the future risk by making sure we very appropriately deal with all risk factors um, like hypertension, high high cholesterol, or even if the cholesterol is not particularly high to to still actually get it down lower um, in, in this patient population.
0: And despite all of these risk factors and the increased risk from undergoing radiation therapy, Uh, I understand that some oncologists uh, and other doctors don't really see cardio-oncology as being, you know, that important uh, uh, as a patient is sort of going through their journey of having cancer. Um, And I've heard that some are actually actively against cardiologists getting involved. Um, Do you want to talk a little bit about that?
1: Uh, Yes, uh, indeed. So um, there is... um... You know, lots of anecdotal evidence of a different uptake of uh, the perception of value, uh, you know, for the patient of cardio-oncology services. Uh, We certainly see that. There are some medical and radiation oncologists and and haematologists that are are very on board and and are are very proactive in managing the cardiovascular health of their patients by referring them. Um, There are others who uh, perhaps, um, uh, less believing, uh, of it, um, in a, a recent, um, international survey of various healthcare providers, uh, that was published a couple of years ago. The lead author, the uh, senior author was the Dr. Susan Dent, who's very, she's a medical oncologist now practicing at Duke in, in, um, in the U S originally Canadian. It was found that, um, less than half of the oncologists that were surveyed actually felt that cardio-oncology would make any difference uh, in a positive sense to their patients. And, and about half felt that, um, uh, you know, we should only be involved if there's active cardiotoxicity uh, present. And somewhat disappointingly, um, that same survey uh asked of the um, perception of of guidelines and there's been a flurry of of guidelines from reputable international associations like the European Society of Cardiology, International Cardio-Oncology Society, ASCO and ESMO, um, that all promote cardio-oncology. In this survey, two thirds only of the respondents felt that um, they were aware of those guidelines. And of the two-thirds that were aware of them, only two-thirds said that they actually paid any attention to them. So, you know, I, I think we've still got a lot of work to do to um, promote cardio-oncology. Um, and and uh, I, th- I think, you know, that it's still a relatively new area of medicine, a new area of focus. And, and like most things, it does take a while to ramp up
0: and there was a recent uh, set of guidelines, um, I think, from the International Cardio-Oncology Society. Is that right?
1: Yes, so a consensus statement rather than guidelines. And one of the, the, the problems in cardio-oncology is that there um, there is not as much data that, that we would like to see. Um, so the International Cardio- Cardio-Oncology Society is really one of the uh, major international organizations that um, has its mission to promote cardio-oncology um, and increase its awareness and promote research. Um, uh, in fact, uh, the Global Cardio-Oncology Summit was just held last week. And this is uh, an event that's also run by the International Cardio-Oncology Society um, so they published in the Journal of the American College of Cardio-oncology, um, as, sorry, that's the Journal of the American College of Cardiology, the Cardio-oncology sub-journal, um, uh, just recently an international consensus statement that from from cardiologists, medical oncologists, radiation oncologists for from a number of different countries around the world, uh, including Australia, uh, there were two radiation oncologists and a cardiologist from Australia that were co-authors. Um, and, and this is, has highlighted the effects of cardiovascular, uh, the cardiovascular effects of radiation therapy and a suggested uh, protocol to, to uh, look at monitoring these patients and what actions can be taken uh, to try and reduce the risk in the long term.
0: And uh, just quickly, are there any takeaways that GPs or oncologists who might be listening to this podcast uh, should um, take from those particular uh, that particular consensus statement?
1: Yeah, look, absolutely. So consistent with a lot of the other guidelines and consensus statement, it is felt that any patient that is undergoing potentially cardiovascular toxic or cardiotoxic uh, therapy, so that's radiotherapy to the chest. Uh, you know, chemotherapy should should get an echo and a baseline uh, echo and ECG. Um, often that's absent, and and it's very valuable to have that. Um, and then there should be use of all the available information that's already of a uh, uh, present. So uh, patients who are undergoing cancer uh, treatment. Uh, often scanned repeatedly, CAT scans, uh, PET scans, but particularly CAT scans of the chest can identify what is what we now know as cardiologists to be the best marker for cardiovascular risk, which is coronary artery calcification. That's often not reported. It's often not looked for, um, and but but such an important piece of information for us um, if they're then going on to have cardiovascular effects from radiotherapy and that really, um, really aggressive management of cardiovascular risk factors. And in patients who have had uh, radiotherapy, depending to which vascular beds affected, you know, some sort of regular follow up. And the chest is one of the most common and one of the most relevant, that we feel that uh, reassessment of coronary arteries every five years and a repeat echo every five years uh, to, um, to, to keep an eye on those structures and then you know, make management adjustments um, is certainly important.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time, Dr. Chekik.
1: My pleasure. Thank you for, uh, for the chat.
0: You've been listening to the Oncology Republic podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or read more on our website, oncologyrepublic.com.au. Original podcast music by Victoria Nelson.